0: Los Angeles listeners of the Nerdist Writers Panel and the Nerdist Comics Panel, the Comics Panel co host Heath Corson has his very first comic book coming out from DC Comics tomorrow. That's Wednesday the 3rd. Uh, it is Bizarro number one, and it is really good. Uh, I'm a bit of an industry insider, so I've seen it already. It's really good. Uh, if you are in LA, come on out to a signing that Heath is doing at Meltdown Comics. Home to Nerdist uh, at Sunset and Gardner. Uh, Come to Meltdown at 7 p.m. Heath will sign your Bizarro comic. You'll pick up the Bizarro comic, which you should, because it's great. It's well-written. It's funny. Without being silly, it's silly without being stupid. Uh, And the art is just stunning. Uh, So check out Bizarro number one this Wednesday and come on out and get it signed by Heath, who wrote it, Heath Corson. And uh, at Meltdown at 7 p.m., See you there.
1: Now entering Nerdist.com.
0: My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the host and creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel, which you are currently listening to. I'm also a TV writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas and currently for uh, the DreamWorks Netflix program Puss in Boots. Check it out. It's now available. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio that is now a podcast right here on the Nerdist Network every week. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more details. If you enjoy the Nerdist Writers Panel, please leave a review on iTunes... And let us know who you want to see on this program by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds, and by liking this show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nerdist Panel. Now, here's a theme song, or an ad. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blacker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. Let's begin. All right. Chris Sparling is here, you guys. Thank you for being here, Chris. Uh, if people know you which many people do, uh, it is from, in fact, Aristotle and I were just talking about this, it is from people-in-the-box genre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think your first, was it your first produced film was Buried? Yeah. Uh, and then that ATM followed that. Yes. So this was the boxes. It was, <laughs> First one guy in a box, and then right. three guys and in a box, and three people in a box.
1: And it was kind of, uh, it was just a, th- a thing I was going through. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work. I had to work through it. I
0: understand. You were feeling claustrophobic at home. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do want to talk about that stuff, but you are now out of the box. I'm out of the box. You are. I was. We were just saying before we started rolling, you were working on a million things. Um, Feels like which a, is, a million. I mean, that's that's where you want to be, right? Like that's we start yeah. telling these stories because we have so many stories to tell. I would imagine.
1: Yeah. No. No. I I I kind of said a million as if uh, it's a good problem to have, yeah. I and mean, that's the problem I want. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but but it doesn't change the fact that the work still has to get done.
0: Sure. And I, I will. I do want to talk about your process, but let's talk about just a couple of the ones that are sort of upcoming. So you have the new the Gus Van St. movie. What is that? How did you get attached to him? How did that movie attach
1: itself to you? What is the story of it? So that movie, uh, it's called The Sea of Trees. And it was something I wrote as a spec. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was... You know, it's kind of funny you brought up the box thing first, because I wanted to break out of that box Uh of of being just... uh, You know, I mean, look, I think it's... I felt very lucky uh, to have gotten my break in the first place after trying for so long. And... You know, but what what ended up happening uh, for a while is that I kind of was put in that box of just being the guy that writes the small contained movies and everything else. and And I think that's a good thing at first to, to have kind of this thing you're known for. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But yeah, I like, mean,
0: what what were I'm going to interrupt you a no, lot because I want to kind of dig into the stuff. But like, what are the positive aspects of that? Because that is something mm-hmm. we talk about. You know, you get known for doing a certain type of movie or a certain genre. There are absolutely benefits to that.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, there's, there's quite a few people doing this, and it's, at the very least, you kind of get thought of when one particular movie comes mm-hmm. around. Uh, so it's not, you're not just always kind of in the background. There's at least one area where you, you kind of shine. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, in a way. But, you know, that's... That's not just where I wanted to live forever. Of course. And so, you know, to kind of help break out of that. And, you know, and as assignments were coming in, it kind of always was, you know, these smaller movies and everything else. And, and again, very grateful for that, but wanted something more. So I, I, I came up with the idea of writing this movie, The Sea of Trees, which is a drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very different than kind of the thrillers mostly mm-hmm. that I'd written previously. And, uh, you know, I talked to my reps about it, and my agent just – you know, he just kind of was, you know, I, t- I pitched it to him and he just said, you know, it's, it's not really a very commercial film. I don't know. But if you have to get it out of your system, <laughs> mm-hmm. by all means, go write it. And I did. It was one of those things I just, I had to get out of my system. And Interesting. And, and that was kind of where it started.
0: Is it a personal story to you? Not to me, a no. a story
1: that wanted to be told? No, it's just, you know, truth be told, it's just uh, I, I learned about the forest, Aokigahara, the suicide forest from Cracked. Really? Yeah, 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 which I read all the time. How funny. And uh, and uh, I just thought it was a really weird, crazy place. And so my first thought was because people from, you know, people go there to commit suicide all the time. There's like a hundred a year. It's really yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating place. And so my mind first went to, oh, that'd be a really cool place to make a horror film. And, and so I said, well, I don't, you know, I kind of want to break out of the strict genre stuff, so I don't want to do that. I want to try to think of what else I can, can kind of come up with there, and so I thought of a drama. And that was it. That was the genesis of the story, just knowing, just learning about that place uh, kind of just started me on just, just creating this, this, this journey between these two characters. Interesting. So one is McConaughey and one is Ken Watanabe. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what is, when you're working on something like that that is for yourself... Mm-hmm. Uh, what, is, what does your process look like? How many hours do you put in? Uh, what, do, what do those hours look like? Are they filled with clicking around on Facebook and cracked and then? No,
1: no. I, I uh, you know, look, I, I think like a lot of people, I, I worked a whole bunch of just crap jobs for a long time. And I mean, I, I grew up in Providence. So I still live in Providence.
0: Yes. And we'll talk about that in a minute because yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. the listeners want to hear about it
1: how you get to do that. <laughs> so for me, it's, I'm very much outside of LA, you know, there's not much distraction. I'm in town now. It's kind of what I do like six, seven times a year, we'll come into town and just do like the whirlwind meetings. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and during that time I get very little writing done, Sure. you know, even if I have the time, like this morning, for example, I just, I had like an hour before my day of meeting started. I just went to Panera and sat down and this was just less productive than usual, hmm. even in an hour uh so uh, my so I treat it, I guess what I'm saying is that like i I for a long time was trying to break in as a writer, so I'd always try to find time to write, mm-hmm. and once you know after buried once i I was able to flip and just do this full time and thankfully still have been able to is all I do for a living. It's like that's it's it's such a great experience to be able to this is all I have to do to make a living and I don't have to do another job to support this one and mm-hmm. so I guess that's my long-winded way of saying I do it like 8 hours a day like a re- regular really? job. Yeah. That's great. Um, are those 8 hours
0: all writing? I mean, do are you is it the various stages of writing? You know, do you outline again when you're yeah. writing on when you're working on your own stuff?
1: It's it's a little bit of both. Usually um you know if it's if it's it's like an i want to say a normal day and if I'm already in the in the throes of writing an actual script, I'll wake up and start actually writing around like nine thirty ten o'clock and mm-hmm. you know usually go to the gym around two and then i'll you know between that and just kind of coming down from that and then I'll start writing again in the evening mm-hmm. for another like three four hours maybe wow. and so but it's 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 i feel like it's easier to do that. Not living in Los Angeles because that's what everybody's doing in some capacity, I mean, everyone's going to their job they yeah. go to you know they go there from like nine to one and they go to lunch and then they come home and sorry then they go back to work for a couple hours and then they go home you mm-hmm. know so it's it's kind of a normal working Absolutely. schedule so uh and it served me pretty well is i mean is that how you've been
0: able to escape the noise of all the other things a writer has to do which are these endless meetings and things i mean mm-hmm. i would imagine even in feature i mean in tv really the meetings are nonstop, but in features you still have a ton of meetings once a, a project is sort of picked up and rolling are these phone calls for yeah, you most and times. so so there has to be a sort of Time limit on them. I, I right. imagine it's much more efficient.
1: It is, and you know, Skype and everything else. I mean, look. I, so far as I've been sitting here, it sounds like, well, this is the guy that is rallying for not living in Los Angeles, <laughs> and and that's not necessarily the case. Sure. I'm just telling you my deal. Yeah. Um. You know. So as far as phone calls and everything else, yeah, those are happening throughout the day as well. And uh, but I do think that for the most part, it is it is set to its own schedule because because it is a phone call. Mm-hmm. It's not like. You know that, that there's all this time we can move stuff around and everyone's kind of schedule has to work out in a certain way so i mean it's it's it certainly has its its own advantages and it certainly has its own disadvantages mm-hmm. i mean i i i can probably point out times that i might not have gotten an assignment that i was pitching on because i pitched it over the phone sure you know and so like those are exact examples that i say that was not that did not work to my benefit sure um interesting you know, the things that I that I feel are that do work to my benefit are kind of the things I mentioned. And then and just just if nothing else, and this this is kind of this may seem cheesy, but I don't care. Uh is that because I don't live out here, uh I every time I come out and say, like, you know, meeting a a studio or whatever, I still kinda have that, hey, this is cool, like that hooray for Hollywood <laughs> feeling. Because it's you know, it's yeah. fresh every time. You know, there's not it's not like this is what I'm doing yeah. every day, or every every three days. I'm on a studio a lot right. because I don't live here, so it kind of <laughs> always becomes cool again. That's really great. I mean, it's uh,
0: it's so easy to get jaded here. Sure, I feel like because but because of all the things involved in this. Yeah, um, that's that's really <laughs> nice to hear. Um, when you are doing these, you know, six or eight hour days of writing, how how productive are you? I mean, are you really turning out pages? How many pages can you do in in a day of writing
1: for me uh a day is like if i've done five days five pages i've done mm-hmm. a pretty good day yeah. uh, a really good day is like 10 yeah that's that's a lot to ask yeah yeah but that's that's script pages i mean yeah. that's to me like i i outline pretty thoroughly mm-hmm. uh and so by the time i'm writing my script i'm sorry i have something in my mouth uh, by the time i'm <laughs> by the time i'm writing my actual script i feel like i've done a lot of the heavy lifting and that stuff mm-hmm. tends to take a little longer yeah but once once final drafts open, it's all right. This is the fun part.
0: Yeah. Um, and is how many drafts do you tend to do?
1: Of my own, like in other words, As I say. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I mean, it, there's kind of like the, the the you know there's the version of of me when I was trying to break in, mm-hmm. where you could say, well, I, what does it even mean to do a rewrite? Because ultimately, I would write a script. I would I would finish it. And then say, all right, well, I'm going to do a rewrite. <laughs> I had no one to give it to. So, as far as feedback and everything else, it was almost like, well, what do I do? Go back and look for grammatical errors? <laughs> like, that is, that's a rewrite, yeah. I guess, right? Because, you know, you can't, you can't, once you're done, you think, hey, this is, this is, this is good, right? right. Uh, unless someone tells you differently. So now it's kind of like when I finish something, I will still, do that. I'll still check for those grammar sure. problems. But uh, usually, the first person I send it to is my manager. And mm-hmm. that's kind of my first point of contact with feedback. That's great, and and you'll get notes, and then kind of start to polish from there. Yeah, I'll, I'll get notes from him before I even give it to the producers. In other words, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm giving them the strongest yeah. version of the script. That's smart. Thanks to him.
0: Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, when you were writing for yourself, uh, let's let's kind of let's go back and talk about you know I'm sure, like we said, buried was the first uh, produced feature, but I'm mm-hmm. confident that you wrote a whole ton of things before then.
1: Yeah, I did. You know, I. I, I wrote all, just it was a constant. Uh, I think as I was saying before, it's a constant process of just basically writing scripts, typing fade out, and then going. Um, I guess I'll write fade in on a new one because wow. you know there was no. This was like pre Blacklist. This was mm-hmm. this was just a, ter- uh, a particular time where just there it was just the access wasn't. I guess it's not still not easy, but it, something like the Blacklist is probably the best example of something that's viable. Mm-hmm. Right, that, that just did not exist then. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of, it's easy now to look back and, and, and kind of romanticize it and say, oh, well, I was learning my craft, you know, but at the time it was frustrating as hell because I was like, why am I writing this stuff other than the fact that I want this to be my career, interesting. but no one's actually reading this stuff.
0: Yeah. What, what were you, I mean, you must've been a pretty young guy. Was this right mm-hmm. after college or during college? Uh, both. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think I wrote my first script when I was 19 and it was absolutely atrocious. Of course. Yeah.
0: But you have to do that. Had you to, have, have to yeah. figure out if this is something you can even make your hand and brain do. sure. Um, so once, it, once you had it in your head, like, this is something that I want to do, and you're turning out this material, and, you know, I would imagine, like many of us, you, you think it's good, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're living in Providence. Right. <laughs> what do you do with that stuff? How do you start to put it out into the world?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that, that was the toughest part, is that I didn't have, and I didn't have anyone in the industry. I mean, I come from a working-class family, yeah. so it's like, it's not even to say... I came from this family that had someone that worked in the industry or even someone that had any kind of pull in any regard. You know, it's it's just – Which I think is where a lot of us are. Right, right.
0: I I meet a lot of people who do have these connections, Mm -hmm. and it always feels like – Well, that's cheating a little bit. Yeah,
1: sure, (laughs) sure. And that frustrated me. I mean, I knew those people were out there, and you always – and the thing is, you just can't get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just—it It is what it is. It's like right. you, you have the, the the hand you were dealt, and you've got to do your best with it. So uh, once I realized that, <laughs> uh, it was, you know, I, I did the entering it into contests and fellowships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think I was a quarterfinalist several, several, several years ago for the Sundance Lab. Okay, that's uh, great. You know, but stuff like that. But that was, you know, I didn't. Again, it was at a time where it's like, you know, you, you look and you just become blinded by all the contests and competition. So I never really got sucked into that too much, probably because yeah. I didn't have the money to. Uh, but uh, the, the one thing that happened was, you know, when I li- I did live out here, actually, I lived out here for almost two years, mm-hmm. uh, going back like almost, I don't know, as long as time ago, but uh, as an actor. And so no it was during that time that I started writing, moved back to the East Coast uh, to finish school, mm-hmm. finish college. And... Uh, and so then, with the goal of moving back home, going to finish college, then drive back out to L.A., which I did. And so now I drive back cross-country. I get here on September uh, 10th, 2001, so the day before September 11th. I get there the night before I wake oh, up on oh, September Lord. 11th. Uh, and, and as we know, like the world was just, uh, just a crazy place at that point, and L.A. certainly was a crazy place. Yeah. Uh, so there was nothing happening. So if— it, that was the same time like right after when the anthrax scare happened mm-hmm. so as an actor this was again this was kind of the early days of the internet and everything else for the most part so people weren't sending out headshot submissions via digital it was all hard copies That's right so now here are the anthrax scare <laughs> people are afraid to open their mail so headshots no one's even opening your headshots, so i'm not getting any auditions by this point i had started to when i was back in rhode island i started to write more hmm. because there wasn't much film or tv acting to be done there and uh uh, so I said, you know, the hell with this. This is crazy. I mean, I don't know. I can't just, this can't be my life. I have no idea when this is going to change and everything else. So I basically said, all right, I'm going to move home and I'm going to make my own film. I'm going to write my own hmm. script for my own film and I'm going to star in it, produce it, do everything <laughs> but cater it. Right. Uh, and I had no business doing that because I didn't go to film school or anything else like that. And at that point, I kind of had maybe a 50% understanding of how to write scripts, <laughs> even though I'd Amazing. been doing it. Uh, and uh, and that's, but that's what I did and and that's no what way. got me uh, in touch with my manager was that movie how did your horrible. manager even see it? well once I was done I just went through the Hollywood creative directory and the representation directory Sorry. and just started sending out a query letters saying I made this film I'd love for you to check it out And oh interesting because and, and that was before something could live online and people yeah, go and check no it out no such thing as yeah. Vimeo or stuff like that back then or even YouTube this so was pre-YouTube pre- yeah. I think yeah it was and so uh, so yeah. So then, you know, of the like 75 or whatever query letters I sent out, I might've heard back from a percentage, maybe like a, like yeah. five of them. And of that five, I think three watched the movie and of that three, I think two liked it and he was one <laughs> of them. And so, so that started a dialogue, uh, not unlike the, the one I'm having. Well, basically a monologue. I've been talking so much right now at this point. This is how we do it. Okay. <laughs> I just realized, God, you've been talking a long time. You're the only one here. All right. <laughs> uh, so. So anyway, so that started, that my, he did not sign me off of that, but he was like, mm-hmm. hey, I like this, you know, what else are you working sure. on? And so that for me was like, hey, this is possible to yeah. get these Hollywood types to actually pay attention and maybe like want to see other stuff I'm working on. And so what happened was every script that I wrote after that, I sent to him mm-hmm. and he liked every one of them well enough to say, this is really good. It's not the right one, but let's keep talking. And That's that went on for really like three cool. years.
0: Wow. Yeah. That 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 you could that he would maintain that dialogue for three years is really... I mean, that speaks highly of him and of yeah. you. Well, certainly of him. I don't know about me, but certainly of <laughs> Well, of him. the work. I mean, he obviously was responding to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this film that you made yourself, yeah. how did you even go about it? I mean, as you said, no, no film background. You didn't right. go to school for it. You were obviously a movie fan, mm-hmm, so sure. you had internalized a lot of the way things are supposed to look and the way a script might look and feel right um but how did you start to put that together and and how long was it what was what was it even about
1: so it was it was about this guy well this guy is turning 25 and he was kind of this misanthrope and just didn't felt like he'd never accomplished anything in his life and his really coddled by his parents and everything else and never accomplished anything. So he decides on his 25th birthday, he's kind of done nothing with his life. He's just going to kill himself. all right. And so he tells his parents this. And them just being the coddling parents that they are, tell him, oh, they think it's a great idea and they're very (laughs) supportive of that idea. And so he ends up meeting a girl who lives two houses down from him, never knew it, but ends up meeting her and takes out this new lease on life and doesn't want to end his life, but now feels like he has no choice because he's told everyone that he's going to kill himself and it's like i have to at least be successful at one thing (laughs) in my life uh so it was a the thing is it's the movie itself was so overly uh truly ambitious as far as what it entailed i mean i had way too big of a cast i had Hmm. way too many locations i had way too little money to do all those things the movie got finished ended up on netflix for a little while i don't know how that's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, and
0: Is it a feature length? It's a feature, release? yeah. Holy
1: shit. I mean, I had no idea. I basically just like learned by reading, like, all right, well, I, I don't, no one ever taught me this stuff, so I guess I'll just teach myself. And just started reading as many books as I could mm-hmm. and everything else. And, and bear in mind, this is in Rhode Island. And so this was – and by this point, this was like 10 years ago. Yeah. So this was when – you know, this was when the technology isn't what it is now. So, like, it's, it, money goes, I feel, much further these sure. days for, because of the technology. And so, you know, my, my cast was, you know, was a mix of actors and people that just were friends and family. My crew was kind of the people that had went down from someone that had some experience to none at all. And it just became this, I don't know. I mean, I had to get it finished, and, and thankfully I did. But it's unbelievable. Finishing it didn't make it good, <laughs> sure. but it, 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 I finished but it. But that's yeah, absolutely,
0: right. and especially at that time in your life and in your maturity as a writer and a producer. Just finishing it goes a long way. I mean, mm-hmm. I think people tend to get sort of precious about the work and work it and work it and work it, but just doing the stuff is, I find, a much greater learning experience.
1: Well, it was. I mean, like I said, the whole point of doing it, I didn't have any grand illusions that this was going to be mm-hmm. this big Sundance hit or anything else like that. I just wanted somebody to see it. The whole reason why I did it in the first place was because I needed to take my career into my own hands. Because, like I said, I was out in L.A. saying, yeah. I have no idea what's happening. So my hope was that someone would see any aspect of that movie and what i was doing in it so all right say hey he's a good actor or hey this is a good script or hey he's a good director (laughs) something hey this guy can produce a movie any of those things and say well let's let's try to work with this guy and so it accomplished what i wanted to do ultimately and it was for me as a writer yeah uh but you know the lessons i didn't really understand that i had learned until i wrote buried because that was me saying all right well i Everything I did wrong with that movie, I can't do with this one. Hmm. Uh, so Buried, for me, was going to be my next feature that I did. It was going to be something that I made for, like, five grand. Mm-hmm. and it Which was absolutely makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, how do I make a $5,000 movie? And I made the conscious decision to not make a found footage film mm-hmm. and said, well, how do I do that now? And so I was like, well, clearly I can't do what I did last time. And so I said, all right, well, I want as few characters and as few locations as humanly possible. And that was Buried. That's
0: wild. Um, but in the interim, you know, you were turning out these scripts, sending them to this manager mm-hmm. that you had this conversation going with. Uh, what were you learning about writing in that time, and what kinds of scripts were those?
1: I was, so early on, uh, I was always writing uh, comedies. Really? Yeah. And Was that the stuff that you just responded to I as a so. viewer? I think so. I mean, not just yeah, a viewer, but also just to say, I think because I really didn't know the craft early on, it just seemed like, well, I, I, I feel like I was able to just – I could get by on writing some funny hmm. scenes. Sure. Right? And, and, it, and it, it served me fairly well, so it seemed like that was the right path. But it wasn't until I completely changed tacks and, and wrote a thriller that things actually started to work hmm. for me. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a lesson there or not. But just Well, why do you think that was? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe, A, maybe I didn't know the craft yet, like I said. Mm-hmm. And, B, maybe I'm not as funny as I thought I was. <laughs> or, C, maybe I'm just a better thriller writer than I am a comedy writer. I, mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. It could mm-hmm. be a combination of those.
0: Interesting. Um, so, so, when did the thriller come? You know, how many scripts in, roughly, or how many years in?
1: Several. I, after I did, uh, after I made my feature, I made a short. And that was a thriller okay and so i just kind of looked at it and it was just a, it was a really different experience and uh and i liked it mm-hmm. you know so it wasn't something that i said i don't want to do that again and so when i set out to make a feature i said i wanted to do a thriller and, and plus the other thing too is you know just lessons you learn along the way about comedy how it doesn't translate into the foreign mm-hmm. markets and everything else like that so i wanted to make something that at least had a prayer in that in that world mm-hmm. uh of maybe making some money back interesting uh so i i, I went down that road and. uh you know, the good thing is, you know, very good thing. I guess is that it ended up taking on a much bigger life. So it didn't become a five thousand dollar movie. It became a, a big like, <laughs> studio released movie. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. How, so how did that happen? So how did that I start to get traction. So as I said, once I'm, I'm sure I, you've told us a thousand times. I, too, it's okay. So I it's okay. Uh,
1: and I, no, I apologize more to the people that have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say it a bunch of times. Uh, so it's. It was something, like I said, so after, after my manager, who wasn't my manager mm-hmm. at the time, saw my feature, said, keep, you know, let's keep right. in touch. So script after script after script, I sent him. And then for whatever reason, I didn't send him the script for Buried. Hmm. So I'm about six months into kind of pre-production on my $5,000 version of Buried. That's probably going to shoot in my apartment at the time. And and I, I was like, you know I'm not going to send it to him because I've worked so hard to cultivate this relationship. I don't want to ruin it by sending this Hollywood guy my guy-in-a-box movie. No way. Right? So I didn't send it. And then one night, I, I just, I think I would like, I always say it's like this Jerry Maguire moment. Where you just <laughs> kind of lose it, right? And I just said, to hell with it. I'm just going to send it to him if it ruins it because I don't know where my career is going. I don't know. This is uh, so on and so forth. And so I sent it to him, and about two days later, I heard back from him saying, like, oh, my God, like, what are you doing with the script? And I, it's like, this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I don't know. I was planning on making it. He said, All right. Well, would you be would you be willing to go out with it as a spec? You know, if you can give up directing and wow. and of course I was like, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so he ended up signing me off that and then got me my agent and everything else. And then the script just went out and and then I was here like for the first time ever of the week of meetings was right. that was like I guess by this point five six years ago and That's it was. Wild. It just was, I, I couldn't, I mean, it was really whirlwind. There was just people that wanted, various people that wanted to make the movie. What do you think people responded to in it? Probably the, I mean, maybe they, I mean, I'm hoping it's because they liked like <laughs> You were going to yeah. say the budget, I, weren't well, <laughs> I am, I am going to say that, but I, I am hoping it's partly because they actually liked it. But uh, I think the budget, I mm-hmm. think they saw the potential of making a movie that, at least on, on the page, worked. Uh, and then that could be done, you know, for... For a price, you know, that for an inexpensive one at that, hmm. I think for my reps, even that early on, I I don't think they actually expected it to be made. Really? Yeah, I think they thought, let's get this thing around town. Let's just introduce you to the town as a sure. new writer, and it'll be a good writing sample, and hopefully, it amounts to something uh, in that way for assignments. But uh, but Peter Peter Safran, the guy who ultimately produced it, it was it was a crazy week because in the course of just generals and everything else, I also had. I had several meetings about the project and mm-hmm. met with different people that were saying, you know, we're, we we're potentially interested in making this movie. And every one of them had different changes. And it was, let's cut to this. Let's cut to that. Let's have him get out of the box halfway through. Uh, let's change the ending. All these various things. And, and it was a weird position to be in because here it is. I've been working for like 10 years at that point to catch a break. And these yeah. people are saying this, so I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty much willing to do whatever they say. I'm like, sure, sure, let's, <laughs> let's whatever, let's throw a clown in there with them. I don't care, whatever right. you want. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I'm still saying, yeah, but it's kind of cool in its own way if he never gets out. I've never seen that movie. I've seen other movies of people buried alive, mm-hmm. but it's always cutting to this and to that. It never stays there, the whole movie. So at the, it's now the end of that week, and I sit down with Peter Safran. And it was interesting because all the other people I met are dressed like you and I are right now, just like flannels, <laughs> normal, right? Peter has this, like, almost like a suit and tie on. And, uh, and so I was intimidated by him right out, right out of the gate. But he sat down and he said, Chris, he goes, I, I, I love your script. I'm almost, like, verbatim here. I love your script. I, don't, I know the perfect director to do it. I don't want to change a thing about it. And I could have it in production in six months. And it's exactly what happened. Wow. Exactly.
0: That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Let me. This is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, <laughs> knowing uh, that you were going to make this yourself. And you, were you going to star in it also? No, I was not. Oh, okay. No. All right. Then never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was because I was curious of like watching. You got to see this the final version of this, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to think, eh, I, w- I would have done something
1: differently. <laughs> well, no, you know, it's. I made that decision early on. To talk about like the lessons learned from the first movie is that I just took on too much, even in that yeah. regard. I mean, I would. In that first movie, I would be like, all right, after doing all the producing duties and all the directing duties, I would sit down and say, all right, what are my lines? And that's, that's absurd. Right. You know? And so I was like, that can't happen this time. So it wasn't so much that, to answer your question. Mm-hmm. It was much as watching it from a directorial standpoint. Yeah. And, I mean, truth be told, I think Rodrigo Cortez, who directed mm-hmm. it, I mean, he, he – I'm still learning that craft, sure. I feel. You know? and, and he took the movie to a level I would not have been able to, period, yeah. as a director.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you you didn't, you hadn't done what he had done. Sure, you, know, you didn't. Right. you weren't there yet. Um, Are you? Is it something you're still interested in?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, something I did uh, last summer. I directed my first feature with Peter Saffron, mm-hmm. which I think you said this will be out in January. Yes, that just should be the movie should be coming out. In January. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's called the Atticus Institute.
0: Yes, I was reading a little bit about this. Tell me about it. All I saw was that you made it and yeah. the title. Uh, uh, what type of a film is it? Where did it Where did it come from for you?
1: It uh, it's it's about the only government or governmentally. I've been so confused if governmentally is a word on some websites. <laughs> it is some. It isn't. So I'll use both government confirmed, governmentally confirmed case of possession. So wow. what ends up happening is that so it's it's a documentary format mm-hmm. so we're, we're talking to people present day who are now in like their 60s and 70s and they're reflecting on, on back on what took place back in 1976 so they worked at this psi lab this parapsychology lab testing people for esp and telekinetic abilities stuff like that and so they had their share of people that were fairly you know interesting and statistically significant and all those other things and then came this woman judith winstead who just started testing off the charts. And she's very strange, but they're like, well, we always deal with strange people, so it's not a big deal, but she's extra strange. And she's just testing all of those categories. She's just off the charts. Mm -hmm. And they realized then that that it was above their pay grade. So they ended up bringing in uh, someone from the Department of Defense, who studied her and everything else, and confirmed that she had these abilities. But they also confirmed, as they continued to test her, and as they were kind of pushing more and more as she kind of pushed back more and more, is that the source of these abilities came from somewhere dark, hmm. and that she in fact she's possessed so what ends up happening is that the government once they once they realize that the Department of Defense attempts to weaponize the oh, possession yeah. and use it as a it's like psychotronic weapon mm-hmm. if you will uh and so that's i mean that's that's really the long version of that's the, really cool of the synopsis yeah. what uh, what made this the one for you to direct well because you know it's interesting because it, it's and i i know this isn't unique to me i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are facing this at various points in their careers like there's i you know as i said before i didn't want to just stay in the category of being the guy that wrote the small movies mm-hmm. right I, I mean i didn't get into this to just kind of like level off and be complacent like i i got in this to you know to win it, you know, to, to really, to go for it. So the same thing with, uh, with directing, what happened was, you know, with a lot of scripts I had moving and, 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 uh, things, you know, things I'd written where it's like, well, maybe this is one for me to direct. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was never met by no, 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 that's can't happen. It's more like, Oh, that, that's a good idea. Or this, you know, mm-hmm. this is the right size and scope for you to be, have your first like true feature. Mm-hmm. And, but, and then I kept finding that as we get closer and closer to the movie becoming real, it was always like, eh, yeah, but it's just going to get. You're technically a first-time director, and right. it's really going to be tough to get the financing and everything else to get the actors attached. And it just became that. And I understood that. It's not like I'm saying that right. with any animosity. I'm just saying I, I just had to change that. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I had to make a film if I wanted to be able to ever be able to make a film. Mm-hmm. So I conceived of the Atticus Institute uh, as kind of a. As kind of the answer to that, or something I knew I said, well, I want to make something that's of a particular genre that could be done for a particular budget mm-hmm. that I is a really difficult thing for a financier to say no to mm-hmm. uh, and so and that's kind of what happened so I, I I kind of used that as as the guide and 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 just conceived of the story in, in the in the in the fashion that I did and present and again, she met with Peter saffron mm-hmm. who's by this point i the, at that point I've already done two movies with this would have been atticus is the third so it was an easy conversation to say just so there was no pressure it was just hey I really want to do this do you want to be involved in this and everything else because I'd love no one more than you to be the one that's that's producing this mm-hmm. and we talked about it and and by the end of that meeting he was like we're doing it we're in pre-production now <laughs> that's great and then it happens
0: um were there were there storytelling challenges that were different as a director than as
1: a writer uh i don't know if there were storytelling challenges there were the things that i found uh th- that that i found unexpected were just i think more to do with the people management of hmm. directing i think it wasn't you know i i i feel that I don't think they're, necess- they're necessarily um, mutually exclusive to say like you're a writer or you're a director. Sure. I feel like you've already, as a writer, whether you even want to be a director or not, mm-hmm. I feel like you've already directed the movie in mm-hmm. your head. So I don't think it's like a huge jump to go and then direct the film you wrote. Maybe someone else's, it's a bit of a mm-hmm. different experience, but something you wrote yourself, to me, it's you've already directed, edited it, cast everything in your head. Uh, so uh, so that part to me wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't shocking. As much as... Just being on set and you know, kind of people coming up to you and with questions that they want answers for. That's Mm -hmm. what I learned. Like the first (laughs) second day, it was like they someone's coming to you because they they want an answer. They don't want you to just say it doesn't matter. You choose. If they're coming to you, I found it's because they want you to tell them no. Let's make let's choose the red water bottle instead of the green one. Even though in your head you're going, I don't give a shit which color it is. Uh, So that was I think it was stuff like that. The constant decision making. Uh, that to me was the, was a little uh, a little unexpected. Interesting. Yeah. Um, did you find that
0: the story didn't so much change, but were you executing the movie in your head that you had written as you were directing it and, and editing it as well?
1: On um, when it came to actually shooting it, I mean, I was faced with the, the dilemma that I think a lot of uh, people are, uh, is where it's like we just don't have time. Hmm. You know, there's a scene. There's just no time for this scene, and one in particular, it it, it was like, no, but I want, I really need this scene to be in the movie. I think it's a great scene. and Everything else, and what it involved is, we had we shot the movie at Linda Vista Hospital here in L.A., mm-hmm. which is torn down now, but it was this old hospital. Yeah. And, you know, people have used it for horror movies and everything else, but we we didn't really use it for that. We bu- used it as just a, somewhere to build a set. Mm-hmm. So we built our lab inside this just big empty room, and and so now to get. To bring in this particular item, this large item we needed for the scene I wanted to do, would have been moving, hmm. taking down one of the walls, bringing that in. And my idea is like, we just don't have time to do it. So I kind of made a game-time decision to just... It involved two booths. Just mm-hmm. picture two phone booths, if you will. I kind of made the game-time decision to just use the one phone booth. Not like hmm. it was this ingenious idea. It was more like, <laughs> no, I, I want this scene, and what can we do? And uh, So it was a... Um, you know that was there were there were moments like that that didn't work out exactly as as I had envisioned or even as they were storyboarded mm-hmm. they just didn't look the same sure. uh, but then in the edit that's when the, the the movie really took on a different life than say the script mm-hmm. and then that's where a lot of big changes came into play interesting um
0: was it was that difficult for you
1: no no because i think at that point you're just in search of the best movie possible mm-hmm. it's not it's not about your script anymore it's about the movie so it's no, I didn't. I didn't find that discouraging at all. I mean, I, I saw the things that I wrote now executed not working. So it's like, well, that can't stay in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I
0: don't let's, care who wrote it. it yeah. sucks. Well, it's great to have that distance. Yeah, and sure. Oftentimes people can't. Um, let me. Let's just jump back for a second. As you were, you know, as we said, you. Were a film fan growing up. What was the stuff that got you hooked? And and clearly, very early on, you were hooked in in a way that was like, I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember what that film or TV show or whatever it was?
1: uh For me, it was. I mean, I, I think the first movie I saw in the theaters was, uh, I was extremely young. Was uh, was Empire Strikes Back? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think more so. I mean, I obviously I. I just, loved going to the movies just like anybody else watching tv in the 80s just like any other kid at that age uh i I never you know i and maybe this is partly to do with the fact that i didn't go to film school is that i don't really have and i wish i did in some regard i wish i had more of an appreciation for the classic films Mm -hmm. but i just that's not really the films i'm into i mean i just i i've i've had this discussion with with various people and 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 it's and I'm probably going to I'm probably going to draw the ire of some people by saying this but I feel like it's kind of like sports where you could look at you look at basketball right for example you look at Bob Cousy Bob Cousy at his time was the best point guard in the NBA Bob Cousy today probably couldn't <laughs> play like D3 basketball right. in college right because people get better and things get better mm-hmm. over time you learn from those people as great as they were you learn sure. from them now you have you know the like, game evolves the game evolves and I feel like movies have evolved mm-hmm. so it's it's if you take out the context and just compare apples to apples, sure. it's like that movie that just came out last week is a hundred times better than that <laughs> supposedly amazing movie that came out in 1943. <laughs> it just is. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm watching – if I watch The Creature from the Black Lagoon, that's just not scary. At the time, that was terrifying to people, but now it's just mm-hmm. not. It's laughable. So uh, I'm going a little off topic here. But anyway, so uh, what I was saying is that so the movies I kind of grew up on loving were movies like Predator. Mm-hmm. you know the big blockbuster films and and sure. the, the early batman movies and everything else uh so i think that is what you know is how i fell in love with watching the movie. you know the, the whole you know i guess hollywood mm-hmm. if you will but it was weird because how i how i really i guess uh became became a fan of the idea of making movies was that my 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 best friend his older brother wasn't a film program it was a very small program at a college in rhode island Mm -hmm. and this and he was older than us by like maybe eight years or so and i remember being about 12 and he had the little super eight camera that he was doing this little short film for for school silent film and i thought it was the coolest thing i mean they were they were like vhs camcorders Mm -hmm. then so it's not that it was a whole foreign thing but just something about this little camera and it being like that's a movie camera like that's something really different yeah uh, and it was, that in a way was what started me down the path of wanting to do this. It truly, it truly did. Interesting. Um, did you know
0: in what aspect you wanted to do it? I mean, you said you wanted to act, but yeah. clearly you wanted to just do all the stuff. You wanted to be a part of it
1: yeah i wanted to do i wanted to be a part of it i wanted to you know i think acting was the most accessible thing for me Mm -hmm. given especially where i lived at the time Mm -hmm. so i was able to do plays around there and everything else so i was able to do that and it's just that and then as far as like film and television acting there was some stuff to do like in the boston area and Mm -hmm. everything else so that was the you know the, the the barriers to entry were fewer in that in that way but then i just realized hey you know there's or such a thing as a screenplay and and it would be cool to write one of those and like I said I I wrote my first when I was in college Mm -hmm. and I kind of just I guess that's the beauty of screenwriting in general is that you don't you don't need anything you know you need a pad and a pen I guess uh, versus even as an actor you at least need a a theater or you need a a camera something unless you're just a crazy person (laughs) just talking to yourself on the street Uh, so so it was kind of like well this is this is interesting to me too mm-hmm. i don 't know how talented of a writer I am, but i 'm going to do it mm-hmm. uh, and I just kind of gave myself the ultimatum of well you have a you have the school year, so over the course of the school year, just kind of chip away at this thing mm-hmm. and be done with it by the end of the year and i was
0: how did you did you go up to you know Harvard Square and find that Store that had the old the scripts and that. like how did you know what these are supposed to look I like? I
1: found it. I found it in the I believe the library of my college. I went to. Yeah. I, I didn't graduate from Northeastern, but mm-hmm. um, I ended up graduating from school in Rhode Island. But I went to Northeastern. Oh, okay. And in their library, I think I found the colon hog, mm-hmm. the, the, if I'm pronouncing that properly. The uh, the like the format book. Yeah. So, but I didn't know. I mean, like to put it in perspective, I remember getting Sid Field's book too, hmm. and they were both books. There was the book in you know, Greenplay and there was also like how to sell your screenplay <laughs> and and which one did i read first how to sell your screenplay i mean like that just speaks That's to great. you know like just <laughs> where i so little that the little i knew at that point i was so green i didn't even know i was like wow well, really i'll read funny. this is important is there
0: uh, you know you're you're getting a lot of opportunities now and you know working hard and <laughs> and often um are there ones that are still getting away? Are there stories that either you can't get down or that you can't sell?
1: Over the years, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, there have been a couple scripts that I've written that just you say, "Well, I guess, I, I guess it's dead." I mean, all, I mean, they all seem like zombies because they never are officially dead. There's sure. always a chance for them to come back to life, and <clears throat> sometimes they do, at least for, even just for just a day. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there were a few that I I look back at and say, "Yeah, I think I still think there's something there." I I mean, the climate wasn't right for it then, but maybe Mm -hmm. it is now. Um, And then there's one. I mean, this is this is a trickier place to be in because now I have the script that I'm writing for me. uh, I don't know if it's going to be my next directing project, but it'll be a directing project for me. That's kind of my passion thing, Mm -hmm. and it's it's almost a companion piece to to Sea of Trees. It's not related, but it's kind of in that same vein. And it's it's weird because I've been it's like back to the old version because I'm writing, I'm doing assignment work, which again very grateful to be doing that to be getting paid, but now I'm trying to find steal time to work on that and it's like the same process again instead of working a normal job and stealing time I'm working a screenwriting (laughs) job and stealing time to to write a screenplay write a screenplay yeah (laughs) that's Uh, interesting um.
0: Is it? Is there you in these scripts? Like, do you do you exist in these scripts, or are these
1: idea based? Do You know what I'm saying? Mm, sure, sure. I I think mostly they're idea based, but I think I, I think there's probably a piece of me in in, mm-hmm. in a lot of scripts that I've written. I mean, there's if it's if it's I don't know if it's something more to do with the character's kind of internal struggles or something like that, or if it's something where even dialogue. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's there's dialogue in the Sea of Trees that. That I mean, there's, um, you know, the husband and wife character that in the course of them arguing, my wife, I remember she read the script. She's like, we've said those things. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, and we kind of have, you know, it's so so it's it's, you know, it's not as though I'm just tape recording my my arguments, my (laughs) wife and saying, well, let's make great dialogue. Uh, But I mean, I think I think certain things stick with you. And I think that there needs to be a part of you. I do. I think there should be a part of you in what you write, because otherwise you're very detached from it. Sure. You're like an observer.
0: But do, generally, when you're ramping up to something new that's not an assignment, um, does it come from the idea down, and then you start to explore how the story could be told, or does it come from a moment? Does it come from a character?
1: I th- um, well, I mean, I think it's different. For me, I, I've kind of gotten more and more into TV in the past year, mm-hmm. and so with that world, it seems to be more about figuring out the character, yeah. You know, as, as you know very well. Uh, and so but with the feature stuff I think it's really about an idea I'll just be driving and be like oh that'd be a cool idea for a movie and then I'll kind of run it up the flagpole and see who salutes and you know and and, and that seems to be the the, uh, the approach I take I mean mm-hmm. it's, for features it's, it's not often that I'll come up with just a character mm-hmm. and build a world around that character that makes sense
0: absolutely um, and So when when you do have one of these ideas that, you know, the manager or someone else Mm -hmm. says, yeah, that's worth exploring, what are your next steps? Uh, I'm really curious about, like, what is the physical action (laughs) that happens when you are starting to figure out a movie?
1: So if it's something of my own, like if Mm -hmm. it's my own idea, uh, it's you know, the process is usually, I mean, say, like, all you see of trees as an example. It was, all right, well, I know that place exists. Well, let me read more about that place. Mm-hmm. Let me, um, you know, let me read some about Japanese culture. And, you know, I think, I think research is very important, if, especially if it's something foreign to you. Uh, I think it's very possible to get mired in that. And then all of a sudden start treating research, like pretending you're writing when in fact, you're just kind of <laughs> spinning your wheels, pretending to do research. Uh, but at the same time, I think, so that's usually a part of it. And and then it's you know I'll, I'll kind of do what most people do. I'll just do like the two to three page synopsis, mm-hmm. see what it looks like, see kind of what that feels like, and then I'll do a character breakdown to give, you know, flesh those people out a little further, main characters, uh, and then and then if I feel comfortable with that, I'll usually I'll go into the beat sheet mm-hmm. and kind of beat out the, the the larger beats of the story, and then and then if that's still working, it will be. Uh, it will. Uh, I'll. I'll do it like a step outline, like scene by scene sure. of the movie, and that's thorough. So I mean, I feel like by that point, I've written a .5 draft.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's this incremental growing process where yeah. you're discovering what happens and who these people are in the world. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh the TV stuff. What has been going on? How has TV been treating
1: you? It's been you know it's it's been an, a bit of an eye opening thing. I uh, I have a project now that I. I by the time this comes out, I probably, it could not be a secret anymore. Uh, but everybody's so secretive about things. I don't know why, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> <That is> true. <laughs> but, uh, there's a project I'm doing now, uh, that is, uh, um, I actually just turned into the producers yesterday. The, uh, a pilot script pilot script. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for a series for, uh, a, a network, okay. <laughs> a cable network. And so it's, it's something I really, really hope goes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for a number of reasons. And, um, but in that same way, I've had now two projects that didn't go. Mm-hmm. So I've written two pilots that it's like, wow, this is really cool. And then especially with the first go around where it's like, wait a minute, what do you mean it's dead? What do you mean, like, if this doesn't get made, it's now you can't do anything else with yeah, this? Yeah, it's weird. It's, so, it was, so that to me was the difference, the major difference between feature writing and TV writing. where was kind of mm-hmm. like there was this mad dash of like, as you know, like every, it's like, well, we have to get this thing done. We have to okay, great. Get like phone calls nonstop from producers. And how about we just change this one word like down to that. And, and then all of a sudden, if it doesn't get picked up, it's just done. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a, all of a sudden they expect the tumbleweeds to go by because the phone stopped ringing. ringing and uh, so it was, uh, I think, I mean, naturally the good part about that is you still get paid. You know, I sure. mean, so there's there's really no lose in that situation, <laughs> except for that you created something that just died on the vine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 if there's any loss there, it's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, uh, like I mean, that's that's like a high class problem. You're getting paid to sure. write, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, and you can show your friends. Love to get <laughs> yeah, It's still
0: a bummer when it doesn't. Yeah. it doesn't happen. Uh, the first, the two things that uh, you sold that did
1: not go mm-hmm. were these ideas that you brought to Studio or Network. One was uh, one was one that I came up with and I brought mm-hmm. to the network. One was one that was brought to me. It was uh Stephen King uh, short story adaptation. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Can you say what it was? Out. It was called Ayana. Okay. Yeah, and it seems as though it's dead. I think they still may be trying to kick it around, like trying to get something going, sure. but I mean, I don't know. Interesting. Um
0: how did you, so I'm specific, specifically curious about the one that you brought to, you brought out. Um, mm-hmm. I assume you pitched it or did you spec it? I pitched it. You did pitch yeah, it. Yeah,
1: that was a unique situation because I didn't have any producers involved. It was just me. Mm-hmm. And I pitched it over the phone. Oh, really? Yeah, from Rhode Island. To and I, networks. To networks. Wow. And I I guess they just liked the idea well enough, enough to say, yeah, let's do it. That's great. So...
0: Um, Oh, man, I can't imagine. I've had to pitch over the phone a couple of times, and it's never
1: fun. No, it's not. Well, <laughs> because you can picture in your head, you can picture the conference table with that little exactly. weird thing in the side, that like, <laughs> yes, conference that device. Star Trek thing. Yeah, whatever that thing is. It looks <laughs> like it's going to run off the table. And and uh, and you, just, you know that they're at times not really paying attention. And so as you're doing this, you're just picturing that in your head. <laughs> in the room, you can command people's attention by at least That's making eye contact. <laughs> yes. You guilt them into paying attention. Yeah, they have no no choice <laughs> but to pay attention if you stare at them. Um, so how
0: how did that pitch go? How long was the pitch? How short could you keep it and still be it wasn't
1: accurate? long. It, it wasn't that fleshy. Yeah, it was it was pretty to the point. Yeah. I mean, I think I might have told them I don't have like a full, full pitch here. This is like what I have and this is the world and oh, these are the characters and everything else. And I mean I wasn't I mean again, it's like just like anything else, the first time uh, you experience something, you're not quite sure what to make of it. Mm-hmm. And so I get off that call and they were like, that's great. Let's do this. And I, I was like, excellent. Let's do this. <laughs> what does that actually mean? Like, I mean and so I, I called up my, my my television agent. I was like, look, man, I think I just sold a show. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure? I, I said, I think so. And they said, let's do it. And he goes, "All right, let me call over there find out. Oh, and he called me back. He's like, yeah, you sold the show.
0: <laughs> that's insane. This is not how it's supposed to go. Um, and yet the vagaries yeah, right. Are always how it goes. Um, so then this other thing, the, uh, the Stephen King adaptation, mm-hmm. um, were you kind of out saying I'm available to write a
1: pilot who wants me? Uh, yeah. So well, the producers approached me okay. with it. Uh, and that's, by the way, that's, there's two other TV things that I've pitched mm-hmm. that didn't get anything. So in right. other words, like just went around pitching them and just never got any, sure. any nibbles and I never got paid to write a thing.
0: Yeah. So, and you still i imagine worked up the pitching oh yeah so it's mean, a, it wrote, lot a lot of lot.
1: Work. yeah it's yeah. a lot of work is right
0: <clears throat> um, how did you find that kind of pitching uh, compared to feature pitching features
1: i think it's it's a little daunting to try to to try to map out a series
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean i think i i mean i don't know but i would have to imagine that a lot of shows that have been on the air for a long time they and say they're in their like fifth sixth season that they're different than what they were pitched as, you know. They've just kind of they followed the the flow of, of what seemed right as opposed to what they set out of to course. do. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I I found that a little that's a little tough to say what in six years is going to be going yeah. on in a series, and yet it's
0: something that the buyers want to hear. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm not sure why. I mean, I think everybody knows the practicalities of it. Is you know you you roll with what you're given and this sure. thing is a moving train and you deal with actors leaving or coming on or whatever, right. uh, yeah it's it's an, it's a strange <laughs> strange thing. Yeah. Um, have you pitched? So you've pitched um, features, I imagine, in person as well as on the phone.
1: Yeah, I have, but I haven't pitched. I mean, most of the pitches I've done have been for assignments. Mm-hmm. Like I I think I could probably count on on. Two fingers, maybe. Really, the amount of things I just pitch to try to sell as a pitch. You generally spec them. Yeah, first. yeah.
0: Um, I am always uh, curious though about like pitching on an, uh, an assignment because mm-hmm. these are the ones where they bring in a bunch of writers and you're yeah. saying, "Here's my take on this." Yeah. Um, when has that worked for you? When has that not worked for you?
1: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> there was no that's no the reason why I'm shaking my head because there was a period where I you know like a lot of these things are coming in which is great you know because it's like there are certainly times where not so many are coming in you're kind of like whoa why is the phone not ringing and i think there was a period maybe like three years ago or so where i was like a dog chasing cars which is not a good approach where it's like it's going after this assignment this assignment this assignment and when in reality it's like i should have just taken about half of that number and focused my my pitches and so it's like i was pitching for a lot of stuff and just not getting the jobs
0: was it was the reason you were pitching for a lot of stuff was it the feeling that like who knows when this will come again or were you genuinely interested in all of these things or or you know like where, where did that come from from you
1: yeah i mean it's if, if i if i 100 percent thought this is not for me and mm-hmm. i don't even get it or I, I wouldn't that's all right okay but you know i think because i i started from where i started that excuse me that was like trying for so long like 10 years trying to get a break and all of a sudden you get that break and now everybody you go from one day being the guy that can't even get your stuff read to the guy all of a sudden or the girl all of a sudden that everybody says oh yeah i want to meet with that person yeah and i want to tell them what projects we have and it's overwhelming so it's like a psychological shift that's tough to kind of to 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 kind of deal with in a way Mm -hmm. and and so kind of in that earlier period now when all these assignments are coming through i was like Hungry, just like I, I've always been. It's like well, I, want to, I don't want to miss right. an opportunity. I want to go after all of them. But as I said, it's just you can only the human brain's only capable of so much, and mine's probably less capable than <laughs> most people's, quite honestly. So it's like I, I think I, I pay short shrift to to some of these mm-hmm. assignments, and maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I didn't sure. get
0: them. You couldn't bear down on any one and give it yeah. a, a kind of full take on. Of course, I yeah. think we've all been there. So the ones that you were able to. Uh, was it a conscious decision to kind of pull back and say, these are the things I'm interested in, and then what made those pitches successful?
1: I think, uh, I think that was part of it. I think it was kind of pulling back a little bit. And I don't recall if it was me consciously pulling back or just the phone stopped ringing as much. <laughs> so uh, the first assignment I got, and this was the one that, was, that got me in the union, actually, because ATM and Buried uh, were both non-WGA. Oh really? Yeah. How did that happen? Well, because Buried was a Spanish co-production, and so it was shot in Spain. Uh-huh. So it was outside of the, oh, the auspices wow. of the, the guild. I guess I didn't realize they could do that. <laughs> uh, they did. Uh, so that didn't get me in the Writers Guild, uh, and W and, and and ATM shot in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm getting my timeline right here. But anyway, the, the assignment that got me into the guild was uh, was to rewrite a, a movie for M Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. And so. That was different and that, well, it's very different because he flew me out to where he lives in Pennsylvania. So I met him at his place and everything else. So it was, that wasn't an over the phone pitch. So maybe that was why I got it. I don't know. Yeah,
0: who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, how, what was that rewrite like? I mean, I, this, this must have been your first rewrite, too. It was,
1: yeah, it was it was my first rewrite. Yeah, it was, which uh, is
0: something. I mean, in features, people are called upon to do all the time. It's a big part of the job is rewriting someone else. Or yeah,
1: <laughs> being rewritten. Sure, someone. sure. No, no. It's it's happened a lot since you know where I've written re- other people's stuff and mm-hmm. people have probably rewritten me. I just don't know. Uh, and for for that, it was. Well, I mean, first of all, it was like it was kind of just the unique thing of being. like, All right, you're being flown to M Night Shyamalan's compound, right. and so <laughs> it's like, and and you know, going in. I, I mean, I heard all the stories that everyone's heard, and, and like, all right, I don't know what this guy is going to be like as a person. And thankfully, he is the exact opposite of the stories. He is not That's at right. all that person. He is, you know, just a regular down-to-earth dude. So it was like, all right, that put me very much at ease. Uh, and, you know, it was it was a unique experience in a lot of ways. I mean, that project was a, it was part of that he did devil he was doing the mm-hmm. night chronicle series where was like three films he was going to produce that right. you know his ideas hiring directors hiring producers so it was uh you know it was there were a lot of people involved hmm. and stuff like that but i mean it was yeah i mean i, I don't normally get flown to people's compounds
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to pitch
1: <laughs> not yet yeah
0: um are there i imagine there are you know Challenges unique to each time you are brought on to rewrite, uh, but are there things that you that are asked of you over and over again when you know when specifically you are brought on to rewrite mm-hmm. a script?
1: Uh, uh or are there like, expectations there something... of bringing you in? Well, I mean, it's different. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, as I said, I think a few times uh earlier where it was you know everything for me has been how do i grow like how do i Mm -hmm. move forward and not stay stagnant in one particular place and so there's kind of like the the pre sea of trees version of my career in the post Hmm. right which has been great so because it's like just like buried for me was you know like that break that got me into the party i feel like sea of trees has you know, got me to kind of be able to mingle with the the host once in a while, right? Yeah, that makes and so, sense. and so, uh, and so, it's kind of like I, I, you know, the jobs I'm going in for now, it's not as much as I mean. Truth be told, it's not as much as a bake off bake off as mm-hmm. it was before. So it's not like 20 writers. Yeah. You know, sometimes I first writer in, and so it's, it's like, so I think the you know the the whole situation is different, and mm-hmm. as a result, you know, the expectations are, are different as well you know in yeah, a good way in a good way
0: absolutely what do you think you bring to those scripts
1: uh, that, i mean i don't know i mean i feel like i don't know i i think i think i do character work fairly well i think i do dialogue uh, you know mm-hmm. i think my dialogue's pretty strong and i think i think there's a muscularity to the stuff i write and i think people like that are bringing me in are going they're they're not going to bring me in necessarily to do a really soft piece mm-hmm. you know even sea of trees even though it's a drama there's a little bit of muscularity mm-hmm. to that film uh so i think i think that's part uh partly what people you know want for me that makes i think of- you'd have to ask them yeah. i don't know but that's, don't
0: know. Uh, that that definitely makes sense i mean and that crosses genre mm-hmm. and that you know crosses budgets it's it's really something that you can bring you can bring personally to a script um before we wrap up and we are almost out of time okay um what what are some of the other fun things you are working on? Can you talk about any of them? Are there any you're particularly uh, excited to work on?
1: Yeah, well, there's um, a few of them actually. Well, there's um, I'm, I'm doing something for Warner's right now called Blood on Snow, mm-hmm. which is uh, an adaptation of a Joe Nesbo novel. Oh sure. That's some bleak stuff. Yeah, it is. And I mean it's it's I mean it's it's um Leonardo DiCaprio's company is involved, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Espinosa is directing. So it's like I mean there's really great people wow, that, yeah. For me this has been like, you know, just just a pretty amazing experience to to be working on this. Uh, and then I'm also this has been great that I'm working with Rodrigo Cortez again, the director of Buried. Nice. He and I are uh, working on this project for Lionsgate called Down a Dark Hall, which mm-hmm. is a, an adaptation of a of a Lois Duncan. Lois Duncan. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so, uh, so I mean, those two, and then and then you know, look, I I, I can cont- I hope to continue to direct. I have some mm-hmm. projects that that might go in the next six months. You cool. know, but you know, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. And then I'll keep working. I'll keep writing that passion script of mine. That you know, once I've carved the time. That script will get done. I'm actually ashamed to say it publicly or even privately that it's not done yet and it should be done. Sure, for me, like not for anyone else. This, you know, demands Absolutely. for myself. <laughs> it's like it's like a, I'm, I'm like a, a disgrace to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know a
0: forest where you can go. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Sea of Trees, sometime in 2015. Yes. Um, and tell me again the one, the name of the one you got Institute. And that sh- is January, right? Yeah, that's what I was told. That's awesome. Congratulations. What? Uh, before we wrap up, what are you watching these days? What is getting you excited uh, to or inspired to write
1: yourself? Uh, movies, TV, anything? The leftovers. I I, I I really really like that show, and it's uh, I'm kind of bummed it's in you know. In between seasons, right now, mm-hmm. and then. So, what is it that you're responding to in it? I, you know, I I'm a big fan of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of kind of just like peeling the layers away bit by bit and just giving a little taste here and there. And so, I think that is also the same thing. why My wife's actually rewatching Breaking Bad. She and I watched that. We just binged through it a long time ago, mm-hmm. and she just started watching it again. And That's and right. it's just, I mean, to me, that is. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a better television show in my life. So, yeah, I mean, those are the stuff, those are the things I'm watching. I'm psyched for Interstellar. I'm kind of with the masses <laughs> on those sort of things.
0: Well, the stuff for the masses these days is so good. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, it's, that's true. Especially on TV. It's the highest mm-hmm. quality we've gotten. But, thank you oh, for thank being you. here, Chris. I <laughs> really my pleasure. appreciate it.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com.